0: Hello, this is Oliver Wong of soul-sides.com and the Heat Rocks podcast, and this is another mini episode to help pass our social distancing time, answering questions that were put into the Heat Rocks Facebook group. A couple of folks, including Jerry Villarreal and Dave Ma, wanted to have me talk about reggae covers. And it's an area that I know a little something about in terms of I love collecting them, but To me, it felt way out of my wheelhouse. So I invited a friend to join writer, author, and screenwriter Adam Mansbach, who some of you may know for his hit profane children's book, Go the F to Sleep, or his more recent collaboration with humorist Dave Barry, A Field's Guide to the Jewish People, or one of the other dozen or so books that he's written. Adam is joining us from the hills of Berkeley. Thanks so much for joining us. And let's start it here. I think most people would associate you musically with being far more of a hip-hop head, but I have seen firsthand, you collect a lot of reggae as well. What got you into that?
1: I first got into reggae probably when I was about 11 or 12. One of the first shows I ever went to see, like, more or less on my own, or not with a parent, I should say, but with, like, an older friend, was going to see Third World um, on Martha's Vineyard. They were touring their album Hold On To Love and they were playing like at a big outdoor festival. And I went with this um, friend of mine who was like 18 and, you know, put me on to Bob Marley earlier that summer. Um, she was uh, working for my grandparents that summer as like a like a like a home aid type of person. And she was super cool and I hung out with her a lot. And she took me to this show. Um, so that was one point. And then. I think like a lot of 80s rap fans and particularly fans of like New York hip hop, Boogie Down Productions, Just Ice, Heavy D, there was this incredibly strong reggae influence. And those guys were interpolating Chris in particular was wholesale jacking, not just beats, not just like, you know, replaying the bass line from Super Cat song Boops on the piano for the bridge is over, but also like vocal patterns and, and justice, same thing. And Heavy D was the one New York rapper who was actually nice enough in a reggae style to go head to head with a super cat. So there was all of that influence in in hip hop. But then a couple years later, there was a more explicit crossover, you know, because, you know, whatever, in 85, Yellow Man did a song with Run DMC, which is a testament to what a superstar he was, but the song was hot garbage. But, you know, by 1990, um, Shaba Ranks had like a major label US deal. Supercat was on Columbia Records by like 91, 92, was popping up on remixes you know, with Biggie and was getting remixed by RZA and rapping over, you know, the same Luke Donaldson loop that Brand Nubian had just rocked. So, like, there was this confluence on the East Coast, especially where I'm from, of reggae and hip-hop. Chatter, dealows, from, it, chatter, baby, from, it, DJs I knew were putting reggae acapellas over hip hop beats and you know those white labels of the same kind of thing started to come out of New York like Bobby Condor's putting Bounty Killer over the Cream beat or the Shook Ones beat. Um, I started to to hear a lot of that and then I moved to New York in 94 and listened to more and more reggae, started going to reggae clubs a little bit, Um, moved to Brooklyn in 2000 and then it really started to all gel and make a little more sense to me um so certainly by then I was heavily into reggae and you know I've just kind of continued to be I don't DJ that much but when I do I find myself playing more and more reggae. So yeah, you know and 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 of course with that goes and and, and also I I've been able to go to Jamaica, spend a little bit of time there, um you know get 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 a sense of the music and the culture in different ways. Um so I'm I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a Jamaica file, I guess, in terms of <laughs> not just the music, but like studying and, and learning about the history of the island and the culture. And, you know, I've got a lot of Jamaican friends too. So do you,
0: do you randomly break out in Patois like uh, Tom Hanks's uh, son?
1: <laughs> nah, I, I very much try not to do that, but I have written a couple of screenplays that involve characters who speak in Patois. And I do feel like I can effectively render that on the page. I'm not about to bust out in it. That's 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 a that's a that's a step too far. Yeah. I think clearly. <laughs> but I can understand it pretty well. Now, one
0: thing I've always loved about reggae, especially older styles like rock steady, is that the original Jamaican rhythms were at least partially influence inspired by American R&B that was being both shipped to the island and also beamed across. Of the Caribbean by radio so I think on yeah. the one hand I think of reggae covers as being very I guess recursive in a way because it adds this other layer to the ways in which Jamaican music has embraced American pop music mm-hmm. but at the same time because of the distinctiveness of reggae styles you would never confuse a reggae cover with its original and one of the things I've always said about what makes for a good cover song is it has to be familiar enough that you know it's a cover but it can't be too similar because then what's the point of it at all and i think reggae covers strike to me this ideal balance because you can still identify the source material but it's never going to sound like it did originally because reggae and and jamaican rhythms rhythms Mm -hmm. just don't sound like american r&b or pop rhythms
1: yeah i think that's true um although you know it's interesting. As I was thinking about this conversation, I started thinking about my relationship to reggae covers, particularly the kind of more conventional notion of, of, of reggae covers like, you know, in the heart of the city. It's it's Ken Booth doing Ain't No Sunshine. Like that shit is cool to me, but, but I don't I don't love that era of reggae musically that much. Yeah, I really gravitate toward shit from like 1980 forward one way to put it is when it becomes like a producer's form Mm, when mm. when 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 guys like tubby and scientist are behind the mix board and whether it's djs or singers what they're vocalizing over is a really rugged stripped down grimy Dusted, spacey version of whatever full orchestration with three horns and a clavinet, the Roots Radix or whatever the band, Souls, you know, the High Times Players or Soul Syndicate or whatever. And the funny thing is, of course, a lot of those bands are essentially like the same cats under different names with slight adaptations to the lineup playing for different studios, but you know, this core of incredible musicians. But yeah, that's when I really start tuning in. So I wanted to hit you with some left field shit. Okay. Well, in that case, I'm going to start things off and then I'll have you
0: answer effectively. And I guess I'm going to be the one playing the stuff that you find a little bit more uh, state, I suppose. But it's the era of reggae and that early rock steady sound that we're just talking about that I've always gravitated to. The first one I went with is, to me, like the king of steady covers, which is Alton Ellis. And in particular, in 1970, he recorded What Does It Take, which is a cover of the Junior Walker and the All-Stars 1969
1: hit. What does it take?
0: could have just done an entire you know hour, practically, of just Alton Ellis covers of different R&B kids from the 60s and 70s, because even though he obviously had a lot of his own original so- uh, songs, he had a really, I think, great ear for doing covers. Like, his cover of It's Gonna Take a Miracle is fantastic. He's got, mm-hmm. um, oh, what, what, what am I He's bringing? got a
1: nice um, It's a Shame, I think.
0: He's got a nice It's a Shame. He's got a nice, uh, I think, These Eyes. Uh, Ain't No Music, Can I Change My Mind? Uh, So there's, I mean, you can do a lot with Alton Ellis, but if I had to just pick one that I think is one of his best, it is What Does It Take? And something about, like, the way that it begins. Um, His singing voice, I think, is is phenomenal. So there's different aspects to why this is always one of my favorite examples. (laughs) your first choice, you actually went with two similar kind of songs. The first one being Ricky General, or maybe it's Ricky General, with Think A Big Sound.
1: I'm a sound clash dude, like I love Soundboy Tunes. I love that competitive energy. I collect Sound Clash and I play it all the time. But what's so funny about this joint and it's not unusual is that it's also not in name and not credited, but kind of secretly it's a cover or a flip of If I Ever Fall in Love by Shy. Um but it's been flipped to be all about you know killing soundboys and dominance and the sound clash and all of that um but the vocal melody and the lyrics are straight out of this early 90s ballad by the group shy if you remember them so so that's that's one a and then one b is a sort of similar example but it was too good for me to to pass up it's a song called exodus nuclear sound by michael buckley Sound take up the phone to let your passing. know you can make it on because you run contest, exit us the real, real song killer. Oh Lord, the passing is a with me right now. And now, sound boy, you have to bow because you are contest, exit us the real, real song killer. But on this joint, what Michael Buckley is doing is, I guess you would say, reinterpolating part time lover by Stevie Wonder. You know, that was a popular joint to flip. Um, a couple years before this, KRS-One flipped it for part-time suckers on his second album, BDP's second album. Um, so, you know, the idea of of reinterpolation and of flipping and the the musical circle and cipher of influence between America and Jamaica... You know, moves with a certain kind of rapidity and a certain kind of nuance and elegance, I think. And you see this, you know, this really rapid uh, cycling of of influences and of people appropriating material, you mm-hmm. know. And mm-hmm. it's it's also yet another way that hip hop and reggae are the same shit, mm. um, you know. Like, which is a, a larger conversation, of course. But you know, I feel like if anything, the Jamaican influence on hip hop is still being understated. Like, yeah, we all know that, like, you know, Cool Herc and Flash and, and Bam were all West Indian and all that kind of shit. We all know that, like, Jamaicans had sound systems and they they played music, you know, in the parks and the public spaces. But, like, if you really go in and really understand and listen to what came out of those jams and the musical culture and the competition and the sound clash and the improvisation and the way that DJs did their thing it's not just an influence it it is it is hip hop like hip hop is just reggae relocated to the bronx with the addition of breakbeats you know everything else about the culture essentially travels intact from like kingston to new york great points well
0: for my second choice i went with another one of my favorites and i should say all three of my choices are in and around the same era and Don't reflect, I think, the certainly don't reflect the full diversity of different kinds of reggae covers and different eras that could be out there. I'm going with not just only what I know, but what I really, really love, and this one certainly qualifies, and that is Byron Lee and the Dragoneers cover of Charles Wright and the Watts 103rd Street Rhythm Band's 1970 hit Express Yourself. When I first started buying any kind of reggae albums from this era of the 60s and 70s, I think Byron Lee and the Dragoneers were the most common that I came across because they were so prolific. I mean, these are folks who were recording as early as I, be- I think the early 60s, got their start in ska, moved up through into rock steady. By this point in their career, circa 1970, 71, they're doing a lot of just hit songs from both the states and Jamaica. And like a lot of groups, I think through the Caribbean and South America, they would just look to see what were the big hit songs happening both in their country and globally, and they would just record a lot of covers of that. And so their, ex- their version of Express Yourself, I think, comes through that particular tradition. And I should say that express Yourself has quite a few different covers that have been done uh, by reggae artists. I know Hope and Lewis immediately comes to mind. Leroy Sybils, I think, does one. But the Byron Lee was the first version I came across, and it's still, perhaps for that reason, it's one of my favorites. All right, what is your second selection, Adam?
1: Yeah, I like that one, too. Um, so... I'll take it uh, a little bit back in your direction. Another one that I chose is Popcorn by The Upsetters. Um, and and, and an, an, another type of reggae cover that I do really enjoy um, is just straight breakbeat funk, you know, that isn't really even reggae tinged. It doesn't have the musical hallmarks you might associate with the form. Um it's just like straight up percussion-driven funk workouts. So to me, the upsetter's version of popcorn is is just, you know, almost divorced from the larger musical context. It's just a tight group laying down a groove and really going for it. It's you know, it's 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 b-boy shit. <laughs> It's not credited as a cover. James Brown's name doesn't appear on right, it. Right. You and, I, you and I were talking earlier about whether it's a cover of popcorn or mother popcorn or both or neither. Right. You know, Jamaican copyright law is a is a is a whole other conversation. <laughs> and 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 motherfuckers didn't really feel the need to do a lot of like crediting often. Um yep. but yeah, I mean I I I've always enjoyed this song.
0: So my third choice, and this is just one of my all-time favorites and something that I've used as a closer, in fact, I think on Soul Sides Volume 2, which is all about cover songs. It's Donovan Carlos's cover, uh, and Year Unknown, but this was a cover of William Devon's 1974 classic, Be Thankful for What You Got. Oh, you may not drive. I think part of what I love about this is it works so well to take Devon's original and give it that reggae-fied makeover. Something about the tempo, the kind of inherent laid-backness of the Devon original translates, I think, incredibly well to what Donovan Carlos does here. And this is another example I mentioned earlier with Express Yourself. You can find multiple reggae versions of Express Yourself. I'm pretty sure there's multiple versions of Be Thankful for What You Got. But the Donovan Carlos, to me, is the one that just nails that same kind of vibe that Devon did with his original but again, as I, as I said earlier, you don't want a cover to be too loyal because then it ceases to become that interesting. There's just enough difference here that you know you're listening to something different, but it still has the same feel as the original. And I think that is kind of this wonderful balance.
1: Yeah, I love that tune too. Uh, I first heard it on your compilation and I love the whole compilation. Um, yeah, I think you, you nailed it. I mean, there are certain songs that just have... A wide open, sunshiny aesthetic, a groove, a barbecue feel that just lend themselves to a reggae take. And I think that's one of them.
0: So what is your what's your third choice?
1: So my third choice I picked for the opposite reason as some of these others. I picked it because I don't like it, but there's a couple (laughs) points I want to make about it. And the song is Hotter Reggae Music by Welton Irie. I said, No, you don't stop, right? To this musical shaka attack. Say, up drum the rockers to the roots rock reggae, to the rockers of the reggae DB. I said, oh, yes, it's me. This DJ's name is Welton Irie. I don't smoke herb, but only smoke sense. And sometimes my mother in a needs Gen Z. The Potter Reggae Music is a cover lyrically with some musical pieces, maybe as well, of Rapper's Delight. Um, it's from 1980, so it, it, it comes out immediately after Rapper's Delight blows up and becomes a worldwide hit. There's a couple of reggae covers of it. The reason I picked it is to point out how comparatively stiff and awkward Welton Irie sounds rapping in this American style. And rapping the lyrics of the Sugar Hill Gang, you know, slash Grandmaster Caz, and I say that not because Welton Irie is stiff or whack. Welton Irie is actually one of the greatest DJs of his era, and he he actually spans a couple of eras. He was making music, you know, as in the. I mean, he he was DJing on sound systems and also recording in the the mid and late '70s. So in that earlier style, where it wasn't the same type of flow it wasn't as fluid it wasn't as modern it was the original style of DJing where you were kind of like interweaving your voice around the song and maybe around the vocal snippets that were still in the song and there was a lot of start and stop you know this is the 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 U Roy and the and the Dillinger style and all of that kind of flips around 1980 which for me is why 1980 is this pivotal year where I really start Digging the music a lot more. A lot of it has to do with the chops and the niceness of the DJs as that rubber dub era uh, commences. Like the music gets raw and more dubbed out, and like more drum and bass focused. And the the DJs respond by elevating their flow. And Welton Irie was one of the dopest, and continued from 1980, 81, 82, 83 to kill it. He was right there at the top of the class with. Yellow Man and Lone Ranger and Johnny Ringo and a few others. Um, But on this song, he's adjusting his flow to sound American. And I want to point this out to make the larger point that not only was as i said earlier you know jamaican music like you know giving birth to so much of what became hip hop vocally and stylistically and in terms of the overall aesthetic of how it was thought about how it was produced the competitive urge at the very heart of the music the sound systems competing against each other the vocalists sparring against each other publicly and on record um but until like shit until I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say until like at least 1983 84 generally speaking you know your your virtuosos aside your cool modes aside on the whole lyrically reggae was far ahead of hip hop the way that dudes were, were rhyming in Jamaica in 81 82 83 was far more sophisticated and far more listenable and remains far more listenable today than what cats were doing in the States. Like, you know, you can, and you can certainly argue that it's not until you get like an early LL or a Rakim that hip hop sort of elevates lyrically past what reggae was doing. And then reggae quickly catches up because, you know, I'll put Super Cat in 1986 up against any American rapper. Um, the, the flows, the lyrics, the wit, the sophistication, the melody, especially the, the vocal techniques being used come out of a longer history, um, come out of studious and 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 long-term um, listening and watching of the, the artists doing their things live. It comes from enormous competition. It comes from enormous turnover. It comes from sound systems, recruiting and training up local talent. So like it couldn't help but be really, really fucking dope in a way that, you know, Pound for pound, probably like knocks hip hop out the box.
0: At least in that era, in the early at 80s least in or that saying. era, yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes me think of, and this is completely sideways because it doesn't speak to your point about them being better. It actually is perhaps a, an echo of your discussion with um, the the rappers' delight cover. But it made me think of: Are you familiar with Michigan and Smiley's cover of OPP?
1: OPP, it's easy as one, two, three. As simple as Dorie Me one oh, two One Two Three Muffin Rules Now Here we go. <laughs> Um Vaguely I love Michigan and Smiley. I mean they were making music in this same rubber dub era like 81, 82, 83. Started a little earlier. They had earlier hits for channel one, like maybe 79, I want to say, nice up the dance. But by 81, 82, 83 They were on green sleeves. They were making incredibly dope and super kind of mellow, dubbed out, and also super political records um, that are are really beautiful. I I love Michigan and Smiley in this era. And then they went on to make some less fortunate music, (laughs) such as the OPP (laughs) cover that you're referring to. Uh, They also also did a cover of Tom's Diner, I want to say. Same album. Fresh.
0: Same album. Oh, same yeah. album? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Not, not fresh. Not particularly fresh. I'm sitting in the morning at the diner, at the corner. I am waiting at the counter. Well, I know that the man to pour the coffee.
0: Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me to talk about this. I certainly have learned a ton, not just about reggae covers. I learned a lot more about you, and I've known you for, for over 10 years at this point, but I don't think we've ever had like a sustained conversation about your interest in, in reggae and in Jamaican music in, in general, so I appreciate
1: that. Yeah. No, it's fun, man. Anything you're working on that you'd like to plug? I'm uh, juggling a bunch of screenwriting stuff, and I have a book. A kind of memoir in verse coming out early next year called i had a brother once um you know more recently i did the uh i wrote stay the fuck at home for sam jackson which you might have seen uh, <laughs> on the jimmy kimmel show or making the rounds on social media we did that as a fundraiser for feeding america made, yeah. you know i think it made us both feel like we were doing something despite being stuck in our houses
0: Right. And people can find you online. You have your own website at com. Where are you on the socials?
1: You can find me at uh, Mansback on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, see fucking pictures of my kids and shit.
0: All right. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Hope you all enjoy this little mini episode for Heat Rocks. My thanks once again to Adam Mansback for joining me here to talk about reggae covers. If you have an idea for a mini episode, go to our Facebook group for Heat Rocks and leave it there, or you can go to the soul-sides.com site and leave a comment there with a request for a topic for us to cover. It is my delight to put these out, so hey, I'm happy to do it so long as you want them done. Until next time, I'm Oliver Wong. Thanks all.